Uh, this is Michael Madsen. I'm the next guest on On Screen and Beyond. On Screen and Beyond, an inside look into the entertainment world featuring interviews with people from the movie, TV, and music industry, news on upcoming TV and DVD releases, and the rumor mill. And now, here's the host of On Screen and Beyond, Brian Zemrak. Thank you for stopping by and joining us for another episode of On Screen and Beyond. This is episode 321, and I'm your host, Brian Zemrak, and this is the weekly show that keeps you updated on what's coming your way as far as upcoming new movies, remakes, sequels, and TV and movie DVD releases, as well as our interview segment with a guest from the movie, TV, or music industry. This week, we have a great guest coming your way. In a rare interview, Michael Madsen joins us. He doesn't do many interviews, but he's going to be here at On Screen and Beyond, and we thank him for doing that, of course. He was in Kill Bill's movies and uh, Reservoir Dogs. Who can forget that scene, <laughs> that movie when he was in that? And so many other movies, uh, Quentin Tarantino films and everything else. And he's going to talk about that and a whole lot more. So I hope you're going to stick around for that. And I want to thank everybody uh, all over the world who's listening to On Screen and Beyond. We have on our homepage at onscreenandbeyond.com a map of the world, and we've whited out all the countries where we have listeners, and if we have your country not on that list, be sure to tell us, and we will turn around and correct that. But uh, also, for all of you who sent us emails, I appreciate it very much, and uh, I hope you're going to join us on Facebook and uh, iTunes and everything else that we do, and keep checking onscreenandbeyond.com for all the information we have about movies and releases and everything else coming your way. So, what do you say? Let's get right into it. It's time for Remake Madness, next on On Screen and Beyond. Please hang up and try again. Remake Madness. Well, Michael Bay is working on a remake of 1976's classic horror film, The Omen. Plans are also in the pipeline to remake 1981's Victory, which stars Sylvester Stallone and Michael Caine as soccer-playing prisoners of war. With the World Cups going on and everything... That's a big thing they're going to be doing right now. And the on-off remake of War Games is moving along right now. A new director is on board and a new writer also. We'll see what happens with that. They keep uh, basically starting from scratch again. So that's it for Remake Madness coming up next on On Screen and Beyond. What's coming away as far as upcoming new movies? Upcoming new movies. Look for Ridley Scott's next film to be a sci-fi film called The Martian starring Matt Damon. And Harrison Ford has a busy schedule ahead for him with, of course, Star Wars as Han Solo and The Expendables 3. And also he's rumored projects including Indiana Jones 5, which we've talked about before, and as Rick Deckard in the new Blade Runner project. And speaking of The Expendables 3, the cast will also include Kelsey Grammer. That's it for upcoming new movies next on On Screen and Beyond. Taking you down to Sequel City to find out what's coming your way as far as sequels. Sequel City, Puss in Boots 2, Nine Lives and 40 Thieves will hit theaters on November 2nd, 2018 with the voice of Antonio Banderas. 2018 will also bring us Madagascar 4 on May 18th. And you can look for Paramount. They're going to be bringing us Hansel and Gretel 2, Witch Hunters. That's going to be coming our way in 2016. That's it for Sequel City. Next on On Screen and Beyond, what's coming your way as far as TV on DVD? 
TV on DVD, August 19th, Rosemary's Baby, the miniseries event that was on NBC, will be released on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital HD. And season one of Crossbones with John Malkovich will arrive on September 2nd. And you can look for August 26th as Sons of Anarchy season six will ride into stores. That's it for TV on DVD. Next note on screen to be on Movies on DVD. Movies on DVD. Well, it looks like the classic Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin movie At War with the Army is going to be released on July 29th, digitally restored on HD for the first time. So get ready for that. It's a great classic film. And if you get a chance, be sure to check that one out. And Draft Day with Kevin Costner and Jennifer Garner will be here on September 2nd. That's it for Movies on DVD. Coming up next on On Screen and Beyond, it's TV and Entertainment Time. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. TV and entertainment time over at Showtime. Nurse Jackie has been renewed for a seventh season. AMC has renewed the Revolutionary War drama Turn for a second season. And The View... Over at ABC has given the boot to Jenny McCarthy and Sherry Shepard as the show continues its revolving door hosts, it seems like, and we'll find out what goes on with that. And that's it for TV and Entertainment Time. Next on On Screen and Beyond, we sit down with Michael Madsen as he talks about Kill Bill and all sorts of things, Reservoir Dogs, and uh, what he's got coming up in the future. Interesting interview. Michael Madsen, right here on On Screen and Beyond. Joining us today on On Screen and Beyond is an actor and poet who has starred in many films, including Reservoir Dogs, Species, Free Willy, Kill Bill, and so many others. He just wrapped filming Silver City. It's Michael Madsen. Michael, welcome to On Screen and Beyond. Well, thank you for having me as a guest. I uh, do appreciate that. You know, Michael, when I think of your name and you, I think of all the, the tough guy films you've been in. But I'd like to start off uh, not talking about your films, but uh, talk about your poetry, because that's not something you would normally associate with you. Well, um, it's a little-known fact, <laughs> but I, uh, I have written a couple of books. I, I just had one come out recently, um, and uh, I haven't written a word since, but uh, I have written a lot of short stories and poems and uh, for quite a while. And, uh, you know, it's mostly, it's mostly reflections. Uh, well, it's, it's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff I wrote about my childhood and growing up. And it's a lot of things about getting into the film business and different experiences I've had on the road. You know, when you're, when you're making, when you're in the picture business, you know, there's a lot of downtime. I mean, you're on an awful lot of airplanes and sitting around in motels and, 
you know, you tend to, it's a bit lonesome sometimes, and you really, there's a lot of uh, reflection, at least, you know, in my case. But mm-hmm. I um, started writing it down on matchbooks and, uh, you know, motel stationery and uh, paper bags or whatever I happen to have. And uh, I wasn't actually ever planning on writing a book, that's for sure. But hmm. I did save a lot of it over time. And one thing led to another, and I ended up getting published, and uh, I did like four of them now. Wow, that's interesting. Now, is this something you also had an interest before you started acting, too? Well, you know, I I, I really liked, I liked reading Ernest Hemingway when I was a kid, and I my mother, you know, gave me a lot of books. I, I read a lot of, um, my mother gave me Aldous Huxley and Lauren Isley and E.E. Um, e. Cummings, and I... I found on my own, like Charlie Bukowski, and um, I've I read a lot of biographies, a biography of Clark Gable and Spencer Tracy and James Cagney, and, you know, I I, uh, I wasn't an avid reader, but I got my own self-education, I would say, and, you know, I, I, I realized I had a voice, and but, you know, writing a poem is... I mean, my stuff isn't really very, it's not for everybody. I mean, let's face it, I'm not trying to appeal to uh, a very wide audience. But uh, the people who do understand it um, have really enjoyed it. And I've been surprised that sometimes if I'm traveling, you know, I'm in uh, Istanbul, for God's sakes, or, or, or someplace, I'm in Paris, or someplace where I really would not would never expect anybody to come up to me and say, hey, I read your book, or I, I liked your book, and actually have a copy of it. Um, that's very flattering, you know. That's that's been kind of a thing that's so different from making movies, right? Yeah. That I really kind of um, um, I was surprised, and, and it's it's a, an interesting sideline. Mm. But uh, I haven't written anything for a while, maybe because I'm happy. I, <laughs> it's a very strange. I wrote a lot of stuff in times when I was, you know, really in a rush yeah just always aggravated and since I've, I've mellowed out a little bit and all of a sudden now i have nothing to write about <laughs> <laughs> it's strange yeah no no actually you know i want people to realize that you are being a, a little humble on this because you have won uh, awards for for your writing so you know yeah no I've, I've got some good things i i did some live readings in in the hague and uh in amsterdam and uh you know, I've gotten a few awards here and there, and, uh, you know, it, they've been appreciated, and yeah. very much so. Yeah. I just, you know, the thing is, is that when you're a film actor, if you're a picture actor, and if you have any kind of uh, success at all, and you do anything else, you know, you tend to wonder whether or not people are really interested or whether or not they're only curious because you're a picture actor, mm-hmm. you know, and and you don't know how much credibility it actually gets, but I uh, no, sure. I've I've been appreciated, and I, I'm 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 grateful for that. I just I think I'm in kind of a um, because I haven't written anything in a while. It kind of makes me wonder if I'm legitimate. <laughs> well, and any plans to write anything new? Well, it's one of those things, you know. If I have to get up in front of the machines and and act in a movie, you know, that's that's something that I have to do because that's my living. Right. 
but you can't really just sit down with a piece of paper and suddenly decide to write a story, a poem. It, it's something that has to come to your brain, and if it doesn't, you know, you can't make it happen. And I guess I'm waiting for that little switch to go off in my brain uh, hmm. to start writing again. I just haven't had any notions lately. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's always interesting to hear. Yeah, I mean, we see you in, uh, you know, on this big screen all the time, and every, and on the small screen sometimes, and and it's just interesting to hear what else you do, you know. So that's, uh, I appreciate you sharing that with us. No, oh, that's fine. Thanks yeah. for asking. Now, uh, what about this? Uh, three-hour reading of the script with uh, Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, that was pretty fun. That was uh, it was at the Ace Hotel um, downtown in the Mary Pickford Theater. And, uh, you know, you got to hand it to Quentin. He knows how to pick a spot. Uh, it was, uh, everybody was all dressed up, you know, all the ladies were, were dressed up. And uh, it was quite an event. I was really kind of I've never been, I haven't been on the stage. I mean, I've only done one, I did one theater production of Mice and Men Mm -hmm. probably 25 years ago, and, you know, I haven't been on the stage. I'm not really a stage actor, so it was a bit, uh, it was a bit awkward for me, but the reaction of the people that came was so tremendous. It was, um, everybody was very, very tuned in for an event, and it turned out to be, uh, it got a great response. I I don't remember hearing anything negative about it. Yeah. So was it actually uh, going through the motions, or or were you just sitting there reading? Well, your parts? everybody was sitting with um, you know a music stand and a script, but um, you know there were certain parts of it that were acted out, and you know certain actors would stand up at a certain point, and you know there was a few props. You know, Quentin had a coffee can and. He was wearing a black cowboy hat, and I had a bandana that I tie on my neck at one point after I get stabbed in the neck by Sam Jackson. And uh, it's um, there were a few props and a few sound effects here and there, but um, basically it was just a live stage reading. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, is this something he normally does, or I, I know he does a lot of things out of the norm. So, uh, is this something normal he he does? Well, you know, he may have done it in the past, but I'm not aware of it. Um, this time around, it was something that came out of the blue. I think that there was a problem with his screenplay. Somebody somewhere um, gave it to somebody or showed it to somebody and that they weren't supposed to. And I think Quentin, justifiably so, got a little upset about it. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and so um, I think, uh, you know, he foxed everybody because he, instead of walking away from making his film... He did a stage live reading and got all the cast together to do it. And we rehearsed for like three days before really? doing it, and then once before, once in the afternoon before we did the actual show. It was a great idea. I mean, oh, it was yeah. a wonderfully uh, inspiring idea. I was really pleased that I was part of it. Yeah. Now it, it seems like he he has a lot of people in his films who he has in in a lot of his films. Uh, they and he, and he brings them all together for this one reading. That was uh, kind of an interesting thing. It was a great cast. Well, I mean, he brought together the cast of the film because we're going to shoot the movie in November. So ah, okay. I think uh, you know he he brought the cast together who's going to do the picture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's a it's a nice selection. It's a an interesting cross-section of actors who have been involved in different things that he's done. Yeah. Now, you've done quite a few films for him, too, right? 
Well, I did Reservoir Dogs and I did Kill Bill, and uh, he was the executive producer of Hellride. Wow. He also edited the film. So this will be my fourth, uh, my fourth go around with him. Yeah. Now, are you guys friends too? Uh, you know, in in real life? Oh, of course. No, he's a great friend. He's um, he's I would say um, he's a great friend. Uh, he's you know stayed in touch with me, and we have a lot of laughs. We have a lot of similar opinions about movies and about the world in general, and. Uh, it was my lucky day when I met the guy, and uh, you know he pretty much created my career. Let's face it. I mean, I've done, I've done over 170 films, and right, yeah. you know the ones that people tend to want to talk about are the ones that I, that I did with him. Yeah. Now, on that note, of all the films that you've done, uh, which ones are you most proud of? What do you, you know, I mean, not not I'm not talking about uh, you know which was the best the critical acclaim or anything like that but personally for you well i mean reservoir dogs was the genesis i mean reservoir dogs was the beginning for a young actor from chicago who really honestly didn't know what i was doing <laughs> and um you know over time i become very very fond of it and very appreciative of it at the time we did it i didn't really understand what it was i was a bit too naive to, to get it, but, um, and Kill Bill, of course, was a wonderful return, you know, to be with the Master Blaster once again, and, uh, but I've done a couple pictures that never got their just day. I, I played an Irish-American prize fighter in a picture called Strength and Honor. Mm-hmm, yes. That never got any distribution, and it was totally mishandled and bungled and, disappeared into oblivion and uh i did a cop picture called vice with daryl hannah that i was very very fond of that uh also never really never really got its day you know it never really got its its justified day and mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah um, there's so many films out there that you know people really never get to see and, and they're great films some of them yeah i mean hellride is great but you know it went straight to dvd and it's become a sort of a cult thing over time, but it's a bit frustrating when you work on something and you know that it's going to reach a massive audience and it doesn't, you know. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, over time they do, but you miss that that uh, that original blast. Uh, Michael, what, what or who inspired you to become an actor? Um, well, <clears throat> you know, it's a... Uh, I, it was two people actually. I, I, I remember being at my mom's, uh, I remember being at my aunt's house, my mom's sister. And, uh, I don't know how old I was, but, uh, if you look up the movie in the year it came out, it'll probably tell you exactly how old I was, but it was a picture called Heaven Knows Mr. Allison. And it was with Robert Mitchum and Deborah Carr. Mm hmm. It was directed by John Houston, and I just remember, I, I remember, I remember sitting there in front of the television, you know, an RCA color TV and watching that damn thing, and I just, you know, remember, I just thought, you know, I, I understood 
um, Robert Mitchum. I mean, I understood what he was doing. I, I sort of figured he must probably really be like that, or he wouldn't be able to act that part. You know, I thought mm -hmm. the man and the actor were probably very similar. He wouldn't be that believable. And, and it also... I understood the nobility of the story. And I thought, what a great thing to do with your life, to be able to tell a story. And then the other thing was, was James Cagney, um, in a picture I saw, probably even before that, was Angels with Dirty Faces. Ah, yeah, classic. When he was Rocky Sullivan. And when he goes in the electric chair at the end of the movie, you know, you really, you really don't know if he, did he turn yellow or did he pretend to do that for the boys, mm -hmm. all the boys that idolized him as a, as a criminal, you know, and I just, you know, it's interesting because years and years later I read his biography and somebody asked him that question. And he said, I will never answer that. Hmm. Wow. And it was such a, a great thing for him to say because, you see, it really has to be in your own mind. And it really has to be, you got to make up your own mind about why he did that. If mm -hmm. he was really scared to die or if he did it because he was so fucking strong that he wanted to save those boys, which gave him the biggest heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, which you sense, always sense that he had. But that was more of a Cagney thing. I mean, he... Him in white heat, you know, he puts a guy in a trunk and he's eating a fucking piece of chicken. <laughs> and he and he pulls out his gun, you know, and he clumsily like, you know, chambers around in the gun while he's eating the chicken and fires a couple holes through the trunk into the guy. And I mean, you know, it's like, so, I mean, it's so it's such a cold-blooded thing to do, and he just seems so nonchalant about it, but. At the same time, you always had this feeling like there was some underlying, like the guy was emotionally hurt somehow, and he was, wasn't was really a bad guy. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I, I, those two things, I would say, were... When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, you mentioned being nonchalant uh, about. Did that scene inspire you when you did Reservoir Dogs? Well, I mean, I I, I understood the, the nonchalant. I mean, I I under I I, got, I get it. It's like I I wasn't I, I recognized it as being something that I, I I I understood it. It was like it wasn't to me. It wasn't an acting thing. It was a thing that just came from him because, you know, it's the way he played it. And, and I I realized that it wasn't an actable thing. It mm. wasn't anything that you'd be taught in an acting class. It wasn't anything that you could, could show somebody how to do. It's, it's, it's more of a, I mean, 
you just you can't or I mean you do or you don't understand it and I, and I even as a young kid I, I for some reason I, I understood it it's an ambivalence that's combined with a tremendous sense of conscience it's uh it's really hard to, to say what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, in that scene, Reservoir Dogs, you, where you were dancing around to the music, it was like, you know, it was just something you were doing. <laughs> well, you know, I've always believed that, you know, if you play a character that's, you know, supposed to be evil, you have to figure that that person doesn't necessarily think of themselves as evil. Right. They probably think that everything that they do is justified. And, you know, there has to be some good in there somewhere, mm. you know, or they wouldn't have turned the corner in the first place. Yeah. And then if you play somebody who's really noble and really wonderful and, you know, um, if you're Henry Fonda, well, then I think you have to find something dark or something evil in somebody good because just on the flip side of the coin, I honestly don't think that there is anybody who's 100% good. Mm-hmm. You get very philosophical here. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's fine. Now, I had read online that in the movie Reservoir Dogs that you actually owned the yellow Cadillac that your character drove around there. Is that true? Yeah. No, I... I Do you still own it? You no, know, that, that, that was my car. Do you still own you know, it? I, I, I was pumping gas at a, a Union 76 station in Beverly Hills, and... You know, I bought that car from a from a, a customer, and um, I bought that thing for five hundred dollars. Wow! <laughs> and, and I was driving that around for a long time. I mean, I had that car for, you know, two or three years. I mean, at least two years before Reservoir Dogs. It was my my transportation. You know, I mean, I um, and I had driven it to work that day, and I had parked it right there. Hmm. You know, and and. I heard from production that day that they were sending somebody over to budget rent a car to rent a car for Mr. Blonde to come outside and get the gas cat from and to have had the policeman in the trunk. And I said, guys, look, man, you know, why don't we just use my car? You know, I said, it'd be cool if Mr. Blonde had a Cadillac, so why don't we just let's use my car? And so they did. And after the film, you know, I I still had it and I still drove it around. But then eventually, what I did was I sent it up to, uh, I put it on a flatbed and I sent it to Wisconsin. I gave it to my older sister Sherry, and she kept it in a garage for ten years. And uh, you know, I completely forgot about it. Her and her family drove it in the Fourth of July parade parade a couple times. But I completely forgot about it. And then one day I asked her, I said, do you still have that thing? And she said, yeah, of course I do. And so I asked her to send me pictures of it. And she <laughs> she sent me pictures of it in the garage. And it had four flat tires. And <laughs> the, the interior had been completely eaten by a family of rats. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, the vinyl top was all peeled off. And, you know, the fucking motor, you know, was... Uh, I didn't even know if it would ever start again. So, um, one of my cousins is an auto mechanic, and he's, he rebuilds cars. And I sent him out there to look at it. And it took about a month to uh, to get it running again. And then 
I had it shipped back to California. And I've had it ever since. Oh, really? Yeah? Yeah. Huh. <laughs> I tried to sell it for a long time, and nobody was interested. Really? I would think that that would have been a hot item. I would have thought so, too, man. You know, I wanted 50 grand for it, and I figured, you know, somebody from another country might be interested, or, or a collector, or anybody like that. And nobody, nobody wanted it. I mm-hmm. think the most I got offered for it was like 15 grand. Wow. And Jeez. I just said, no, it's not, I'm not going to sell it for 15 grand. Jeez. I took some pictures in it for an Elvis Presley um, there's a book about Elvis Presley coming out pretty soon it's called Shades of Elvis and all these different celebrities have put on a pair of actual sunglasses that were owned by Elvis Presley and um, I I did the photo shoot in that car wow that's neat hmm. now Michael what about uh upcoming projects that you have um can you tell us about any of them well i i, I did a picture in istanbul um called magi and um didn't did james give you any of that information yep yep because he's got the names of people and stuff like that and i i, I feel funny like you know promoting like you know i, I just I, you know the people I'll, I'll just say that the people i did it with are very conscientious and it's a i think it's going to be a very good film yeah um, in fact, the girl I worked with, Lucy, um, her babysitter when she was a child in Germany was Christoph Waltz. He won Best Supporting Actor for Quentin Tarantino in in, in the Glorious Bastards and in, uh, in Django. Yeah. Well, anyway, her, he was Lucy's babysitter when she was a little girl. The girl who co-stars with me in in uh, in Maggie. It's Lucy Pohl, P-O-H-L. Yeah. Anyway, um, and I did a picture with uh, I did a picture for Robert Evans, you know the, uh, the Paramount uh, Chinatown. Robert Evans. Mm-hmm. Do you not know who that is? Robert Evans. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he he executive produced it. I did a picture called Death in the Desert. Yes. And it's about um, the Binion family. It's about Ted Binion and and Benny Binion, his father, who started the Binion Casino in Las Vegas. And Ted got addicted to heroin, and he started dating a stripper, and he started burying bars of silver out in the desert, and and he came up dead. And there's a book called Death in the Desert by, um, it, it's based on the novel Death in the Desert. Yeah. Now, was that the, 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 did they call it Silver City at one time, or? It was originally called Silver City, but it's been changed to Death in the Desert. I see. Okay. Okay. Because that's the name of the, the, the novel. The novel Kathy itself. Scott. Yeah. Huh. And it's based on the opinion on, on Ted and uh, Sandy. And you're working on a uh, documentary with Robert Redford, the, with a western. Well, there there is a there is a western documentary that Redford's doing, but I haven't done it yet. I haven't heard about it yet. Ah, but I'm uh, I'm leaving for San Francisco. I'm going to shoot a picture for um, for uh, for Chris Coppola. He's Nick Cage's older brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and he's a director. And I'm making a picture with him called Around Midnight. It's about, um, it's a father and son story. I'm playing like a detective. And uh, Chris's son, Bailey, is going to be my son in the film. Oh, sounds like you got some great projects in the in the works. Yeah, you know, I got a few good things, man. I, you know, I got a, I, I made a, a picture in Rome right before that with Danny Trejo. And um, I shot it in Rome. It's about prostitution in Italy. 
Okay. Um, yeah. To me and Danny Trejo, it's about girls who go to the UK and they think they're gonna. Is that skin traffic? A, Misha Barton is her name. Okay. It's Misha Barton, me, Danny Trejo. Yeah. No, skin trade's a picture I did with Mickey Rourke. Oh, okay. But that's not finished. That didn't. Uh, I don't know when the release date of that is. I don't know when it's been done, being put together. Hmm. Yeah. I did that last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Michael, I got two final questions for you. Quick questions, sure. taking us away from all your acting and everything else. When you sit back and relax and watch TV, what's your favorite TV shows now and of the past, and what are your favorite movies now and of the past? Oh man, that's simple. I, I watch The Rifleman. Oh, okay, some classic um, ones. You know, yeah, Jesus, come on. I mean, that's like that show is is is. You know, every single episode is a lesson of life. Mm-hmm, yes. Every episode is some noble idea of what's right and wrong in the world, and it's it's very, very well done. And I think it's it's too bad. I mean, there's no TV like that anymore. Right. Just, yeah. I let my little boy watch it. It's it's tremendous. Son. It's uh, Chuck Connors was. Um, you know, most people think Chuck Connors is playing bad guys all the time. They forget that he was. That he was Lucas McCain. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. As far as movies go, I... And you know what? I found out where his rifle is. The real one that he used on the show? Yeah. The Rifleman's rifle is actually owned by Arnold Palmer. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's got to be worth something. <laughs> yeah, I guess it must be, but Chuck and him were, were buddies, and he gave him that rifle. Wow. Yeah. You should read his biography. It's pretty good. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. He was a basketball player. Right. Yes, he was. I know that, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, what else did you ask? Uh, movies. What's your favorite movies? Like now? Yeah, now and of the past, both. You mean like anything that's come out recently? Yeah, recently and uh, your oh, favorite oh, ones. Oh, man. You know, I, uh, recently, I, wow, man, I haven't seen anything that's, uh, I honestly haven't seen anything recently um, that I could even think of i mean it's okay well, what about the past what's your favorite past, movies i would say um one-eyed jacks mm-hmm. yeah uh, brando directed that thing it was the only movie that brando ever did stanley kubrick was the original director mm-hmm. and he was fired or he quit and brando took over for paramount and finished the movie it's him and carl malden it's a western yes yeah it's about you know friendship and betrayal and there's nothing that it's not about. I mean, that movie is about so many different things. It's it's mind-boggling. I mean, it has a few problems, you know, in the editing. You know, you can tell that it must have been really hard to put it together because some of the wide shots just don't match the close-up. It just the coverage just is really kind of un, undeniably wrong sometimes, <laughs> especially toward the end. There's a lot of it that's just. You know, if you didn't know better, you, you could tell it was probably things were shot on two different days and it didn't go together. And, oh, geez. But it, it's, it's, it's a brilliant, brilliant film, I think. I mean, Marlon is like, um, I don't know, he's, he, he carried that so, so well. And Carl Malden was just, I had probably the strongest performance besides Nevada Smith that I ever saw Carl Malden give. Mm-hmm. I never got to meet Carl. I always wanted to meet him. Really? Yeah. I met Marlon twice, but I, I always wanted to. I wish I wish I could have told Carl what a what a wonderful film that was. Hmm. Yeah. 
Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for taking the time and talking with us and sharing these stories. It's, it's been a lot of fun hearing them. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. I want to thank Michael Madsen so much for taking the time to talk to us here at On Screen and Beyond. He's a busy guy, and he doesn't do a lot of interviews, so uh, we appreciate that uh, he was able to do that for us. Hope you enjoyed that, and be sure to check out all of his films and his upcoming movies and everything else. And that's about it. That's it for this week on On Screen and Beyond. If you are on Facebook, be sure to like us. If you are looking to find out what's coming away as far as TV stuff and shows that are coming out on DVD and the latest movies and what's coming your way in news and everything else, go to onscreenandbeyond.com. You can find it all right there. We have reviews and all sorts of stuff. And if you are on Facebook, like I said, be sure to like us, iTunes, leave us a review. And that's about it. That's a wrap for this week. So until next week, when we once again take you on screen and beyond, I'm Brian Zemrak. Take care. (laughs) 